0: Are you that weirdo who has a copy of The Poisoner's Handbook on your bookshelf? Well, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Happy Hour Gets Weird. Hi, welcome or welcome back. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for Happy Hour. Yes, we are back
0: in a fresh new year Mm -hmm. and... Almost every year now, we've potentially taken a stab at dry January, right? damp January. Yes, we do a damp January. (laughs) And I thought, because it's January, and Mm -hmm, we're having mm -hmm. a damp January, at Mm -hmm. least here in California, weather-wise and alcohol-wise, we have never talked about the prohibition. I mean... Happy Hour Podcast. I know. It's kind of a bummer, right?
1: Yeah. Is this in our wheelhouse? Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> yes. So I thought that we would not only talk a little bit about the prohibition, mm-hmm. but something dark that happened within the prohibition um, in a historical context and also in the fuck the government context. Uh. Let's just get on in. We are having a mocktail, mm-hmm. which is at this point just a soda water for me with some frozen orange juice cubes in it. Oh, that's fancy. I, I had to have
1: a kombucha today because I feel like my guts need kombucha now. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you get old. You have a favorite spatula. You have mm-hmm. to drink kombucha. Yeah. Fuck everything. Yeah.
0: yeah. You wear socks with your Birkenstocks when it's chilly out. You have house slippers that you have to wear.
1: (laughs) Your pants go all the way up to your sports bra when you're home. Yes. All the way to the top.
0: You know what? If my pants don't hit my bottom rib, Mm -hmm. I don't want them.
1: No. I want all of my pants to be, yeah, no more than two fingers below my sports bra. Mm-hmm. That's the law of the land in this house. House <laughs> shoes and high pants, or get the
0: fuck out. <laughs> I am fully just wearing like wool socks with Birkenstocks, no matter the weather or the time of day or the occasion. Um, I'm thinking about
1: the Birks that are like, are they called a clog? Oh, I do have
0: those too.
1: And what are I they do- called? They're clogs. They are clogs? Okay. I You're think the fashion one. I don't know.
0: Well,. I mean, are clogs fashionable? I mean, that's a stretch. I love a clog. I do too, but is it fashion? I don't know. It's definitely <sighs> comfort.
1: Well, what if they have a heel though? Oh,
0: Those are fashion. Yes, but you know what? I do love a wooden clog, mm-hmm. but it seems this also comes with old age. It kind of irritates my meniscus if I wear wooden soles I don't know if they don't have a bend in them or something I think that if I wore wooden shoes it would make my knee joints hurt yeah my knee that's my meniscus is that meniscus (laughs) yes it definitely is like what the hell is going on here and it sore for a couple days after that happened
1: to me the first time I ever wore ankle weights when I was working out my knees hurt really bad and they were like three pounds Oh my gosh, we are so old. (laughs) I didn't even know what a meniscus was. And that is your word of the day. Meniscus. Meniscus. It's a thing on your knee.
0: Is it your whole knee or is it It, inside your knee? It's like a ligament or membrane, ligament probably, behind your knee, somewhere in the mechanics. Like your knee pit? Mm, Like behind your kneecap. Oh, okay. This is worse than when we talked
1: about how like chickens and eggs happen remember that one Cassie teaches me something every day Uh, she's like the scientist of this podcast which is also scary it is that
0: is terrifying (laughs) Um, (laughs) but the only reason I know what a meniscus is because I was dating this guy and we were having a romp and he tore his meniscus during our sex play okay was this guy Bill Nye the science guy I wish, but no. Did he say that? Bill, not a science
1: guy. Bill, Bill.
0: (laughs) I wish. Um, But that's how I know what a meniscus is. So anyways, Hmm. any hooser. All right. Well, let's put the meniscus talk aside. And, um, you know, just if you're having a cocktail, enjoy that. If you're having a mocktail, enjoy that. Um, All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into this twisted history of the 1920s let's do it all right so i'm going to start off with my sources like we usually do i have a wikipedia article on the prohibition and the 18th and 21st amendment Mm -hmm. and then i have a wonderfully written article from slate.com and it was written by deborah bloom who is also the author of the poisoner's handbook Nice. Yes. All right. So the prohibition lasted from January 17th, 1920 to December 5th, 1933. So long. Yeah, way too long. Almost as long as January of this year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the idea of the prohibition started long before 1920. In fact, in the 19th century, pidistic Protestants, and say that five times fast, believed banning alcohol would halt societal and moral decay. They tried but failed to ban alcohol, and then the movement was adopted by the Women's Christian Temperament Union. Uh, These names are are, like awful already. I'm not joining that. I hate saying it. I'm not joining. They're like the exact opposite of us, Cassie. They don't want us in their group. (laughs) So the Women's Christians Temperament Union took up the movement after the 1900s, and, or after 1900, mm-hmm. and then the Anti-Saloon League joined the cause, and the movement gained traction through grassroots.
1: I actually love the Anti-Saloon League as a t-shirt. That's a great shirt.
0: I don't want to be an Anti-Saloon League. I want to be pro-Saloon League.
1: I'm just saying as a t-shirt, that's hysterical. It is. It is funny. It sounds like a softball team.
0: (laughs) Supporters of the prohibition were called dries. So the beer industry got word of this like prohibition rumblings and they kind of rallied what they called wets. So we have the dries and the wets. Okay. It's pretty easy. And, uh, but during this time, World War I was raging in Europe and Prohibition opposition ultimately fizzled out here in the United States because everyone was kind of preoccupied in Europe with the war.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Ex-
0: except for the Anti-Saloon League, who apparently <laughs> dodged the draft and they had nothing better to do than ruin everybody else's life.
1: <laughs> the Anti-Saloon League? The draft dodging Anti-Saloon League. You
0: so the prohibition is also known as the volstead act and it was introduced officially to congress in 1917 by wayne wheeler i don't know why he's southern it just sounds southern to me i like it it when if does he have any quotes you should probably do an accent he i couldn't find any quotes from wayne wheeler um but he was a leader of the anti-saloon league oh my god of course he is of course he is yes So the Volstead Act would later become the 18th Amendment. And if you don't know, the 18th Amendment is the banning of the sale, consumption, transportation, and importation of alcoholic beverages in the United States. It is so insane to me that they thought that this would work. Okay, when we're at the end of this episode, I just got fucking goosebumps because at the end of this episode... I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but we are going to look back and be like, this was the stupid, stupidest <laughs> fucking idea ever. And the fact that it went on for 13 years is so insane to me. Do you
1: think that, like, weed is getting legalized everywhere and people are going to totally say the same thing? Like, that we- legalizing weed is a mistake? No, that having it ever, how did we ever think that having weed illegal was going to work? Yes, people
0: are already saying that. Yeah, just from a financial standpoint alone. Oh anyway, my god! Anyway, it's, sorry. Like it's it, it. This is so crazy. Um. All right, so. Um, the Volstead Act and and or the Prohibition was interestingly vetoed by the president at the time, who was Woodrow Wilson. Um, but the House of Representatives said, "Hold my beer." And they quickly vetoed to override the veto. Oh, I'm sorry. No, they voted to override the veto. I just got excited about saying veto so many times. And then the Senate was like, okay, sounds like a good idea. So by January 17th, 1920, alcohol was an illegal substance nationwide. So Woodrow Wilson wanted to to be legal still. Yes. So they brought the 18th Amendment, the Volstead Act, to Congress. And the president was like, nope, this is not a good idea. I'm going to veto this. He's
1: like literally hammered signing documents.
0: Yes, exactly. And then the House and the Senate were like, actually, mm, we're going to vote this in. Sounds like a good idea. And interestingly, both, like it wasn't um, like a polarizing between the parties. Like Mm -hmm. the majority of both parties wanted it. So it wasn't like a one party thing versus the other party. Both pretty much voted equally, like a little bit over the middle. Bipartisan. This is why you can't trust your government people. No, no. (laughs) This this whole episode is just saying
1: don't trust your government.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Well, one of the most... Fun facts that I learned is Mm -hmm. the now we know the prohibition was really rooted in Christian and religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. It was brought to Congress by like, in my opinion, religious zealots. But ironically, the only legalized use of alcohol during prohibition was (gasps) wine for religious purposes.
1: Oh my god, I bet more people went to church on Sundays.
0: (laughs) I bet. (laughs) Let me get a little that blood of Christ. (laughs) Got the shakes. <laughs> like I said previously, the dries hoped prohibition would put an end to crime, um saloon-based corruption, which kind of sounds fun. Um family violence, alcoholism and related diseases. And obviously, we're making, you know, this is a satirical podcast. We are not making light of alcoholism, the disease or the diseases related to alcohol abuse in any way this you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions we say that all the time and i do believe alcoholism is a problem but i also think it's a symptom of a bigger issue that's not being dealt with like mental health mm-hmm. poverty mm-hmm. all of things it's kind of like this is my opinion but it is, it is alcoholism is like a symptom of like self-medication of the public.
1: Yeah, and I mean alcoholism is obviously a serious issue, but making alcohol illegal to the entire population is not going to is not the best way to solve that issue, obviously.
0: No. no. And if you just think about it like from like, I guess, a medical standpoint up until this point, like, I don't really think people drank water. They were mostly drinking ale (laughs) in the 1800s. So it's like you have an entire civilization that is, like, maybe physically dependent on alcohol. And you're like, well, we don't really like it. So
1: figure it out. Yeah, I wonder how much clean drinking water there was in the 20s. We still have places that don't have clean drinking water.
0: Yeah, probably not a lot. What were people drinking?
1: Milk? Hard Apple Cider by Johnny Appleseed. (laughs) This is the history that I know. (laughs) This is a
0: true history fact. (laughs) So the Dries believed basically alcohol was responsible for the breakdown of society. Okay. Um, In the beginning, some studies indicated alcoholism and alcohol-related diseases declined in the short term. However, it only took a few years for organized crime gangs to create and take over the black market of distribution, importation, and consumption of alcohol, and this is widely known as bootlegging. After bootlegging started, all fucking hell broke loose.
1: And if you're interested in organized crime, listen to our series about
0: the mob in Vegas. Mm-hmm, 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 was that a good mm-hmm. plug? Yes, it was an amazing plug. By the mid-20s, People hadn't stopped drinking. In fact, the prohibition seemed to give birth to a multi-million dollar black market and the American mafia as we know it. So basically, the prohibition invented the mafia or created
1: the need for the mafia, the job for the mafia. Exactly. There's always going
0: to be something that fills that hole. Yes, there were a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand speakeasies throughout the country and over thirty thousand just in New York alone.
1: Um, can I can I en- enter a fun fact? Yeah. The term speakeasy did not originate during the prohibition. Mm. Did you know that? According no. to Prohibition dot <laughs> It came from the two-word phrase, Speak Easy, coined by an American journalist whose name was Sam Hudson. So he wrote in his 1909 book that while he was in Pittsburgh, there was this liquor licensing law that reduced the number of taverns. So there could only be 96 taverns in Pittsburgh, apparently.
0: Okay. Which
1: I guess is kind of like the modern-day equivalent of like your liquor license. There's always like a limited amount of liquor licenses, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So when he was at one of the taverns, There was an Irish bartender who um, was illegally selling alcohol because they didn't have the license. It was like there's too many taverns. Uh And so that uh, bartender, who was an elderly Irish widow, uh, whispered to one of her patrons, speak easy now. The police are at the door in her Irish brogue. And when he put that in his book, it kind of coined the phrase or the term speakeasy. I love it. Yeah. So basically the term speakeasy was invented by a lady bartender.
0: Oh my gosh. I love it. Now, the the mid-20s were getting pretty tumultuous. Um, It was Mm post-war and there was no alcohol. So all of these... Um, soldiers and military members came home to like a dry country, which I'm sure they like, what the? And they were like, what did we fight for? Juice? <laughs> I don't think so. What did we fight for? Um, and 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 opposition to the prohibition was manifesting all over the nation for multiple reasons. So. Firstly, like I said, um, this was the post-war, and everybody was coming home. They had spent a ton of money on on the war, and people believe that banning the sale of alcohol, basically, we missed out on millions of tax revenue at a really pivotal financial time in the United States. Mm -hmm. Some historians even place blame on the prohibition for paving the way for the Great Depression
1: yeah probably didn't fucking help exactly maybe it would have only been a okay depression instead of a K- great depression
0: kind of sort of a myth depression yeah um and then secondly many believed that it wasn't right that a very small group were imposing their religious beliefs on the rest of society amen sister which i am like <laughs> that, that makes sense like Because I don't like something doesn't mean I'm going to like ban it from everybody else. I just don't partake. It doesn't make any sense. Um, And crime was higher than ever. Organized crime was totally taking over. There was blood in the streets. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mob was stealing, making, and selling alcohol. The bootleg operations were funding even more police corruption than ever before. Mm -hmm. It was starting to look like prohibition had totally fucking backfired and created new even more dangerous problems that it had tried to remedy mm-hmm. um i hate to say it but told you so <laughs> yeah yeah um six years into the prohibition the death the government really began getting desperate now according to the article the chemist's war by deborah blum who i mentioned when i mentioned mm-hmm. the sources who is a pulitzer prize winning scientific journalist uh incredible wow i'm a girl crush um this is an amazing article you should read it if you have a chance I mean I summarize it in the in this episode so you don't have to but it's it's I would get the um poisoners handbook I actually want to order that I don't have it um so it's Mm mid-20s shit is hitting the fan the government's like oh my god this isn't working but what do we do So Christmas Eve, 1926, a man runs into Bellevue Hospital in New York claiming that he'd seen Santa Claus chasing him down the street trying to murder him with a baseball bat. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Clearly, the man was intoxicated. But this wasn't anything new for the doctors and nurses at Bellevue. During Prohibition, drinking bootleg whiskey and gin was super risky. Mm -hmm. Alcohol poisoning of some kind was fairly common. Yeah. They guessed his Santa Claus hallucination was just a symptom of routine Prohibition alcohol poisoning. Unfortunately, the man died. Oh, no. Yes. And so did another. and another and by the time christmas day came to a close 60 people had come into (gasps) bellevue eight of them died and within two days of christmas 23 more people had died
1: oh my gosh that's crazy right before christmas how sad i mean it's sad anytime but you know
0: the holidays are already hard enough how terrible i know and these people don't even have like champagne to tolerate their families; they just have like poisonous moonshine. Ugh! Yes. I actually
1: heard that. Um, in one of the things when I was trying to find fun facts, which I found like maybe one, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I read that before the prohibition, the United States was actually world renowned for our mixologists and fancy bartenders. And that people would come to the United States from Europe just to learn how to make super swanky cocktails. Like that was what we were known for. But then because of prohibition, all of that went away and really skilled bartenders had to either get new jobs or they had to move like to Europe if they wanted to continue bartending in the same fashion they were accustomed to, which I thought was really interesting. I didn't know that the U.S. was such a badass at bartending, but we should have known. Cassie, we should Yeah. Have I mean, obviously, duh. But the prohibition put us so behind. So we have to work harder at at drinking and making cocktails. That is our journey for this year, guys. We gotta make up that gap.
0: Yes. I um actually I've been trying to step up my cocktail game and I clarified some whiskey, well, rye whiskey, and I also tried to fat wash it mm-hmm. with bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, it didn't work. I did something (laughs) wrong. Uh, So I think I put too much bacon fat. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna have, I didn't measure, I eyeballed, you know, that's um, some I I know it's my toxic (laughs) my toxic trait.
1: You never measure and you always add six more ingredients.
0: I know, so I'm gonna have to redo the fat wash, but when I get it right, you'll let us know. Yes, I will absolutely. Feature the cocktail on an episode, and I will share the recipe. Okay. So I'm very excited. I did my best. Well, no, I didn't do my best because I would have – anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You did. So after after all these people passed away, public health officials smelled a fish, and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they realized this wasn't the -the run-of-the-mill prohibition alcohol poisoning yeah so this is where i'm going to take a second to kind of explain the process of making alcohol and kind of how bootlegging 101 worked is this your fat washing recipe yes (laughs) Yes. so essentially all alcohol starts out the same it's grain distilled from there depending on the process we end up with two types of alcohol one is industrial alcohol used in like paints, solvents, fuel, medical supplies, stuff like that. And the other is potable alcohol, which is for consumption. So when you manufacture something that's not necessarily good for you, mm-hmm you have to pay higher taxes, at least here in the United States. So think like cigarettes, legal marijuana, and alcohol. All of those ha- come with higher taxes if you're manufacturing those. Hot Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Twinkies are in that classification. Um, before 1906, if you manufactured alcohol, whether it was for consumption or industrial use, you had to pay a higher tax. It didn't really matter. hmm But in 1906, the Department of Treasury, who was in charge of overseeing the enforcement of alcohol, told industrial manufacturers they could avoid paying higher taxes by putting alcohol through the process of denaturalizing, which is basically a fancy way of saying they added chemicals to make it undrinkable. Great. Yes. So you have the same product in the beginning. You add some nasty chemicals to it. It becomes industrial alcohol. You leave it how it is. It becomes potable alcohol.
1: Is this why I read that sometimes moonshine was used to fuel vehicles? Yes. That's your second fun fact of the day. (laughs) By
0: 1926, so that was just like a little side kind of like you need to know that moving forward. Yeah, I'm disturbed by that, though. It seems like
1: it would be the opposite. Like, you'd remove things, not add, I don't know. I get it. They're trying to make you not be able
0: to drink it, but I don't like it. Thanks, I hate it. Yes. So in 1926, this is, we're back to 1926, these um, mysterious alcohol-related deaths are happening, mm-hmm. and they're they're not normal. They're hallucinating. They're yeah. totally belligerent. It's, it's wild. Mm-hmm. At this time, the government had gotten pretty good at preventing the smuggling of alcohol into the United States from like Canada or Mexico or wherever. Mm -hmm. So in response to the heavy enforcement on the borders, the mob would steal industrial alcohol Mm -hmm. for the public. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. By the mid 20s, 60 million gallons of industrial alcohol were stolen annually. But then,
1: was there a process for making it safe for consumption?
0: Yes, and no. Okay. <laughs> Some bootleggers sold the industrial alcohol straight to consumers, oh, no. so that's why there was a. Ton- it was so dangerous to drink alcohol during the Prohibition because you were getting, you didn't really know what you were getting, mm-hmm. and some would just have like your traditional Prohibition alcohol poisoning, which y- they would sometimes make it in bathtubs. They would make it in metal bins that uh, would. Metal poison the alcohol, and then they would get die from like heavy metal poisoning. It was, it was insane. But some bootleggers would pay chemists to naturalize. So you had the denaturalization mm-hmm. where you added the chemicals, and then you had the naturalization where you brought it back to its original state, removing the additives, and then they would sell it. So And you have to think about it from kind of like a socioeconomic standpoint. It's more likely that someone of a lower socioeconomic Mm -hmm. um, position would probably end up getting the more deadly bootlegged alcohol. Because they just couldn't afford to buy it from someone who was paying a chemist to naturalize it. I hate that. Yes. It's a terrible situation. It is everybody is sick. Yeah. Everybody is sick. The government is halfway into an unsuccessful prohibition and that they thought that would solve the country's all the country's problems, right? Um, well they decided to double down. Right. And the Department of Treasury ordered alcohol manufacturers to add more deadly additives during the denaturalization process knowing the alcohol would be stolen by the mob and sold to consumers
1: jesus
0: um so what were they adding you ask uh, let me run down this little list of additives kerosene brosine, which is basically strychnine mm. gasoline benzene iodine zinc mercury salts, nicotine, ether, formaldehyde, chloroform, carbolic acid, and acetone. And the Department of Treasury also demanded more methyl alcohol to be added, up to 10% of total product, which is like a death sentence. And most of the time it was the methyl alcohol, the high content of methyl Mm -hmm. alcohol Mm -hmm. that would ended up killing people
1: honestly it kind of sounds like all the ingredients that were in old-timey douches but
0: <laughs> um also a twinkie also in twinkies. no <laughs> no i'm kidding i, Hostess, Just kidding, I love twinkies, you we love you. no we love you we love you
1: send us twinkies that is so um yeah that's pretty evil because you're right they knew what was going to happen mm-hmm. they knew they knew they absolutely knew Yes. But they did not care because one, they were like, poor people might die, and they didn't give a shit because they're evil. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. two, they were like, well, if they do it, they're breaking the law, so fuck them, which mm-hmm. is also fucked up because some laws are literally made to be broken,
0: like this um, one. Yes, they. Uh, there were some dries that dries in Congress that literally made speeches saying well if they choose to drink it then so be it yeah that's so fucked up the us government and the department of treasury tre- tre- department of treasury knowingly and willingly poisoned us citizens or well anybody in the united states at the time of prohibition they were m- men that went off to fight in world war 1 that came home they were knowingly poisoning these people. Like they knew that they were going to get this and die. So public health officials began to freak out. And one and one in particular was a New York medical examiner by the name of Charles Norris. And this is a quote that he um, put, I believe, in a public newspaper. Or he had a um, like a press conference.
1: Wait, his name was Charles Norris? Yes, his like- name was chuck norris chuck norris
0: okay. yes oh my god i'm so excited okay <laughs> um are they is he any different from 1990s texas ranger absolutely not they are the Bold same heroes. person picture same them person.
1: the same exact person picture them both roundhouse kicking their way through this law okay go
0: yes quote the government knows it is not stopping drinking by putting poison in alcohol Yet it continues its poisoning processes, heedless of the fact that people determined to drink are more daily absorbing that poison. Knowing this to be true, the United States government must be charged with the moral responsibility for the deaths that poisoned liquor causes, although it cannot be held legally responsible. So basically, the government was like, yeah, they're poor, they're drunks. We don't care. We're going to do it anyways. And what are you going to do about it? Fuck off. Yes. So public health health officials did what they could in their power. They issued public health warnings. The government still continued to poison the alcohol. And people continued to drink despite the warnings. 400 people died in 1926. 300 more died in 1927. And this was just in New York. Within a matter of like a six month time period. And so this is just that people. we know about. I mean, yes.
1: Whatever we know about, it's guaranteed five times that much at least.
0: Yes. So, what Chuck Norris, I'm going to call him that. You should, because that's what, what I'm picturing right now. He, he started um, any autopsy that he got with um, alcohol poisoning, he started like testing. And the list of the additives I gave you, the only reason we have that is because he tested for... That's what came out in his tests. Oh, my God. Chuck Norris, you did it again. Literal hero. Um, And these deaths were spiking all over the country. It just wasn't in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, The government poisoning program continued until the end of Prohibition. Until 1933, they were spiking alcohol knowing that people were going to drink it um now the 18th amendment which was the prohibition was repealed by the 21st amendment which is ironic because in the united states you can drink when you're 21
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and prohibition ended on december 5th 1933 and it is estimated that at least 10,000 people died as a result of the government poisoning alcohol. Basically, it was an extermination. In That's my opinion. So
1: messed up. That really, really bothers me.
0: Mhm. And they didn't care. No. Did not care.
1: I mean, stuff like this, you might look at and be like, this was a long time ago. Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. But this sort of thing is still totally relevant today. For example, right now in the United States, there are things that it is legal for us to ingest as Americans that in Europe, it is illegal for them to put in food.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's not even, and that's just food alone. There's the cosmetic industry. Yeah. There. Uh, let's, I don't know how we could talk about this and not, like you mentioned before, um, Flint, Michigan their yeah. water is literally like drinking liquid lead a couple of years ago there
1: was this big thing about i think it was canada not taking some of our dairy but it wasn't because they were trying to be uh you know go back on a trade contract or whatever bullshit it was because they literally couldn't because we allowed chemicals in our dairy that in canada it is illegal for them, them to consume yes there are so many toxins in our food, in our makeup, in our beauty products, in our, in our clothes, in our clothing. In California, we have a law that you have to label something if it has a car, if it's made with carcinogens. Literally everything is labeled. Did this I make cause? Yeah. Did I say that correctly? Carcinogens? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's just the fact that that kind of stuff is still okay because politicians are bought out by businesses that are slowly poisoning us is fucking mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: hundred percent. It's crazy. It's fucking cuckoo crazy. Um, so long-term studies, um, some studies um, about the long-term effects of prohibition indicated that it caused a major uptick in violent crime, alcoholism, and death. Like I mentioned before, something it paved the way for the Great Depression. It definitely gave birth to the mob and the black market as we know it. It, I mean, the black market these days are very different from bootlegging. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, you have the sex trafficking is part of the black market. You have um, exotic animal black market. That's very big. You have the drug trade, which is also part of the black market. But it basically was, invented for the most part at least in the united states during prohibition Mm -hmm. Um, once they figured out how to illegally bootleg alcohol they just used it as a blueprint for everything else to follow yeah in my opinion the prohibition is a good example of why we shouldn't let a small group within society make the rules for the rest of us Um, because it can be disastrous because where there's a will, there's a way. And if I don't want to live your lifestyle, I'm not going to. Exactly. Um, and I think we should learn from history. Otherwise we are doomed to repeat it. Yep.
1: Legalize weed. We're all going to make so much money from it. A hundred percent. And also, um, I'm really upset. I thought this was going to be more fun. (laughs) If I'm being honest, I'm a little bit upset. I'm upset. I'm mad at the government. And I'm just thinking about how now the equivalent of what they did during Prohibition is all of the junk food that's full of yoga mats and fucking tennis shoes. And they don't care because once again, they're like, oh, people without a lot of money buy that stuff.
0: I'm the Um, people without
1: a lot of money buying that stuff. I'm pissed. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, Do you know how many $5 footlongs I ate when I was in college that had yoga mats in it? Like that's my entire life is
1: $5 footlongs in Mad Dog 2020. I didn't even have a glass of water until I turned 32.
0: <laughs> I don't think I drank the recommended amount of water Yeah, until I hit my 30s. I literally had somebody just say, have you ever
1: been so dehydrated? And I was like, I'm going to stop you there. I had four glasses of water in my 20s. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I literally probably had a glass of water a
0: day in my 20s. I don't even think maybe I did that. Honestly, I think I got my water by absorbing it through the shower. <laughs> Osmosis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I did, and I didn't even shower every day. So when did I get my water brushing my teeth?
0: <laughs> I was just hoping for like a humid day once a month. <laughs> What t-shirt contest with the only source (laughs) of water I got?
1: (laughs) Just kidding. guys. never know what t-shirt contest. That'd be cool though.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised. Like we are relatively lucky that our faces don't look like catcher's mitts because we didn't drink water for the first 20 years of our lives. Water wasn't a thing. Nowadays
1: it's like, you need water. You don't feel good. Drink water. Your skin's bad. Drink water. Your boyfriend's annoying. Throw him in water. Drown him. Like it's <laughs>
0: like we didn't have water.
1: Water no, wasn't
0: a thing. It wasn't. And, and it didn't become a thing. I feel like to like our generation, because my mother-in-law grew up in um, a town on the beach. And she's told me one time that when they would go to the beach, like that's what they did as kids. They just went to the beach all day mm-hmm. and they had no sunscreen and they drank milk <laughs> that's on the beach. Disgusting. That's yep. The thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, ew. And honestly, that makes so much sense to me. So that is a terrible story Ugh. about how the United States government just, I'm sure, one out of like dozens hundreds of times killed its own citizens so like cavalierly um
1: and you're right it's so much about it being people without money it's so much a financial thing and it makes me so mad
0: yeah could you imagine if they were killing off rich people they would have stopped but they were just killing off everyday people that just wanted to sell it but yet they were literally killing us they are killing us they haven't stopped killing us and if we're not back next week we're in prison we are in guantanamo bay so thank you so much for listening we hope you um found this episode interesting if not enjoyable you had to have learned at least three things about yes. the knee
1: meniscus yep. mm-hmm. oh here last fun fact of the day what most speakeasies were behind doors painted green. It was a code.
0: Oh wow, that's amazing! I didn't know that either. Knowledge bomb. Oh my gosh, we're you? You're welcome. You are so welcome. We are just so giving, 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 giving. We're just full of information. Just, yes, you heard it and- here last, folks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for happy hour or for. Uh, a happy hour that's a dry January happy hour. You can still have a happy yes. hour. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Enjoy your month. And I I think that uh, with everything, it's always quality over quantity. So yes. if you're having a damp January, just make a fancy, yeah. fancy cocktail. Tag us in your post.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Add smoke to it. Fat, fat wash it. Oh. Clarify it. Put some bacon in it i don't care do something and tag us yeah tag us in
1: your fancy or not fancy if it's just mad dog 2020 banana red in yes. a jar tag us in or, that or too
0: if you're eating a five dollar footlong tag us in that yeah anyways on that note don't forget to love yourself lock your doors and listen to your gut. cheers to that cheers to that, cheers to that.